chapter four of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva outcast when jim horton corporal of engineers took his twin brother's uniform and moved off into the darkness toward the german lines harry horton remained as his brother had left him bewildered angry and still very much afraid the idea of taking jim horton's place with his squad nearby did not appeal to him the danger of discovery was too obvious and soon perhaps the squad would have to advance into the dreadful curtain of black that would spout fire and death he was fed up with it the baptism of fire in the afternoon had shaken him when they lay in the field it was the grinning head of levinsky of the fourth squad that had done the business he had found it staring at him in the wheat as the platoon crawled forward it wasn't so much that it was an isolated head as that it was the isolated head of levinsky for he hadn't liked levinsky and he knew that the man had hated him and now levinsky had had his revenge harry had been deathly ill at the stomach and had not gone forward with the platoon he had seen the whites of the eyes of his men as they had glanced aside at him and spat why the h he had ever gone into the thing and now suppose jim didn't come back what should he do why had the major picked him out for this duty his thoughts wandered wildly from one fancied injury to another and jim it was like him to turn up and plunge into this wild venture that would probably bring them both to court-martial and if jim was shot what the devil was he to do go on through the service as jim horton corporal of engineers he cursed silently while he groveled in the gully waiting for the shots that were to decide his fate for a moment he gathered nerve enough to pick up jim's rifle and accoutrement with the intention of joining the squad of engineers but just at that moment there were sounds of shots within the wood followed by others closer at hand and then bullets ripped viciously through the foliage just above him by a movement just ahead of him he knew that the line was advancing he couldn't his knees refused him so he crawled into the thicket along the gully and lay upon the ground among the fallen leaves more shots cries all about him a grunt of pain after a shrapnel burst nearby the rush of feet as the second wave filtered through then the rapid crackle of the engagement in the wood jim was there in his uniform he'd be taking long chances too he had always been a fool from his cover he marked the dawn while the fighting raged then sunrise the fire seemed to slacken and then move farther away the line was still advancing and only the wounded were coming in some of them walking cases with bandaged heads and arms he eyed them through the bushes furtively vengefully why couldn't he have gotten a wound like that in the afternoon in the wheat-field instead of finding the head of levinsky and the terror that it had brought 
other wounded were coming on stretchers now the gully near him made an easy path to the plain below and many of them passed near him but he lay very still beneath the leaves what if jim came back on a stretcher what should he do then suddenly as though in answer to his question two men emerged from the hollow above and approached carrying something between them there was a man of harry's own platoon and a sergeant of the company he heard their voices and at the sound of them he cowered lower some say he showed yellow yesterday in the wheat-field said the private yellow they'd better not let me hear em saying it they were talking about him harry horton and the figure lying awkwardly a shapeless mass at the risk of discovery the coward straightened and peered down into the white face jim harry horton didn't remember anything very distinctly for a while after that for his thoughts were much confused but out of the chaos emerged the persistent instinct of self-preservation there was no use trying to find jim's squad now he wouldn't know them if he saw them and how could he explain his absence with no wound to show for a moment the desperate expedient occurred to him of thrusting himself through the leg with the bayonet he even took jim's weapon out of its scabbard but the blue steel gave him a touch of the nausea that had come over him in the wheat-field that wouldn't do and what was the use they had harry horton lying near death on the stretcher what mattered what happened to the brother there was no chance now to exchange identities perhaps there was never to be a chance he sank down again into the thicket pulling the leaves about him he would find a way it could be managed missing that was the safest way out that night limping slightly he emerged and made his way to the rear it was ridiculously easy of the men he met he asked the way to the billets of the blank regiment but he didn't go where they told him he followed their instructions until out of sight of them and then went in the opposite direction he managed at last to get some food at a small farmhouse and under the pretext of having been sent to borrow peasant clothing for the intelligence department managed to get a pair of trousers shirt coat and hat he had buried his rifle the night before and now when the opportunity came he dropped the bundle of jim horton's corporal's uniform weighted by a stone into deep water from a bridge over a river with the splash corporal james horton of the engineers had ceased to exist at the end of two weeks thanks to some money that he had found in jim's uniform and a great deal of good luck he was safe in a quiet pastoral country far from the battle line here he saw no uniforms only old men and women in blouses and sabots occupying themselves with the harvest aware only that the bush were in retreat and that their own fields were forever safe from invasion he represented himself as an american art student of paris driven by poverty from the city and offered to work for board and lodging 
they took him and there he stayed for a while there was a girl in the family it was very pleasant the nearest town was st florentine and paris was a hundred miles away but after a few weeks he wearied of it and of the girl and having twenty francs left in his pocket stole away in the middle of the night paris was the place for him there identities were not questioned he knew something of paris piquette morin he could get her help without telling any unnecessary facts as to barry quinlevin and moira that was different it wouldn't be pleasant to fall completely in the power of a man like barry quinlevin even if he was now his father-in-law and moira no moira mustn't ever know if he could prevent it and yet if jim horton in harry's uniform had been killed harry would be officially dead he was already dead to moira if jim horton had revived enough to tell the truth it wasn't a pretty story to be spread around but if jim were alive what then there were ways of getting along in paris he would find a way even if moira he would have liked to be able to go to moira she was the one creature in the world whose opinion seemed to matter now she would have been his on the next furlough he knew women if you couldn't get them one way you could another already her letters had been gentler more conciliatory his wife the wife of an outcast god why had he ever gone into the service how had he known back there that he wouldn't have been able to stand up under fire that he would have found the grinning head of the hated levinsky in the wheat-field waves of goose-flesh went over him and left him cold and weak a sullen mood followed dull embittered and vengeful against all the world with only one hope if jim were alive and silent that opened possibilities to substitute with his brother and come back to his own with all the honors of the fool performance it was his name his job that jim had taken and his brother couldn't keep him out of them he could make jim give them up he'd make him if he couldn't come back himself he would drag jim down with him they would be outcasts together in the dark that night he would have managed in some way to carry out the major's orders if jim hadn't found him just at the worst moment what right had jim to go butting in and making a fool of them both ding him he found his way into paris at the end of a dreary day of tramping he had a few francs left but he was tired and very hungry with a lie framed he went straight to the apartment of piquette morin she had gone out of the town for a few days that failure baffled him he had a deposit in a bank but he dared not draw it out so he trudged the weary way up to montmartre saving his sous and hired a bed into which he dropped more dead than alive thus it was that two nights later unable yet to bring himself to the point of begging from passers-by with scant hope indeed of success his weary feet brought him at last to the rue de Tavennes. hiding his face under the shadow of his hat he inquired of the concierge 
and found that the apartment of madame horton was au troisième he strolled past the porte cochere and walked on looking hungrily up at the lighted windows of the studio moira was there his wife barry quinlevin perhaps who else he heard sounds of laughter from somewhere upstairs laughter the bitterness of it but it didn't sound like moira's voice he walked to and fro watching the lighted windows and the entrance of the concierge trying to keep up the circulation of his blood for the night was chill and his clothing thin he had no plan but he was very hungry and his resolution to remain unknown was weakening a man couldn't let himself slowly starve and yet to seek out any one he knew meant discovery and the horrible publicity that must follow the lights of the troisième étage held a fascination for him like that of a flame for a moth he saw a figure come to a window and throw open the sash he stared unable to believe his eyes it was a man in the uniform of an officer of the united states army his own uniform and the man who wore it was his brother jim alive well covered with honors perhaps here in moira's apartment what had happened to bring his brother here and moira his head whirled with weakness and he stood for a moment leaning against the wall but his strength came back to him in a moment and he peered up at the window again the light had gone out jim masquerading in his shoes with moira as her husband alone perhaps in the apartment and moira the words of conciliation in her last letters which had seemed to promise so much for the future had a different significance here fury shook him like a leaf the fury of desperation that for the moment drove from his craven heart all fear of an encounter with his brother there was the sound of a door shutting and in a moment he saw the man in uniform emerge by the gate of the concierge he walked toward the outcast his head bent in deep meditation there was no doubt about its being jim with clenched fists harry barred his way the thought that was uppermost in his mind finding utterance jim horton stopped stepped back a pace and then peered at the man in civilian clothing from beneath his broad army hat brim harry he muttered almost inaudibly what are you doing here in this house raged harry in a voice thick with passion and then as no reply came answer me answer me one of harry's fists threatened but his brother caught him by the wrist and with ridiculous ease twisted his arm aside he was surprised as harry sank back weakly against the wall with a snarl of pain Dang you he groaned this wouldn't do any commotion would surely arouse the curiosity of madame toupin the concierge keep a civil tongue in your head harry he muttered and i'll talk to you he caught him firmly by the arm but harry still leaned against the wall muttering vaguely a civil tongue me you dare ask me yes said jim gently i've been trying to find you where leered harry in my wife's studio jim horton turned suddenly furious but shocked into silence and inertia by the terrible significance of the suspicion 
but he pulled himself together with an effort come he said quietly let's get away from here he felt harry yield to the pressure of his fingers and slowly they moved into the shadows down the street away from the gas lamps a moment later harry was twitching at his arm get me something to eat i-i'm hungry he gasped hungry how long since yesterday morning a crust of bread and jim had been eating goose the new sense of his own guilt appalled him since yesterday he muttered in a quick gush of compassion we'll find something a cafe there's a place in the rue berthes javets he said weakly jim horton caught his brother under an elbow and helped him down the street aware for the first time of the cause of his weakness he marked too the haggard lines in harry's face and the two weeks growth of beard that effectually concealed all evidence of respectability there seemed little danger of any one's discovering the likeness between the neatly garbed lieutenant and the civilian who accompanied him but it was well to be careful they passed a brilliantly lighted restaurant but in a nearby street after a while they came to a small cafe not too brightly lighted and they entered there was a polished zinc bar which ran the length of a room with low smoke-stained ceilings at the bar were two coachers in shirt-sleeves their yellow glazed hats on the backs of their heads sipping grenadine there was a winding stair which led to the living quarters above but through a doorway beside it there was a glimpse of an inner room with tables unoccupied they entered and jim horton ordered a substantial meal which was presently set before the hungry man the coffee revived him and he ate greedily in moody silence while jim horton sat frowning at the opposite wall for the present each was deeply engrossed jim in the definite problem that had suddenly presented itself and the possible courses of action open to do what was to be required of him harry in his food beyond which life at present held no other interest but after a while which seemed interminable to jim his brother gave a gasp of satisfaction and pushed back his dishes give me a cigarette he demanded with something of an air jim obeyed and even furnished a light not missing the evidences of dutch courage harry had acquired from the stimulation of food and coffee it was curious what little difference the amenities seemed to matter they were purely mechanical nor would it matter what harry was to say to him the main thing was to try to think clearly obliterating his own animus against his brother and the contempt in which he held him harry sank back into his chair for a moment inhaling luxuriously well he said at last maybe you've got a word to say about how the devil you got here yes said jim quickly it's very simple i was hit i took your identity in the hospital there wasn't anything else to do harry glowered at the ash of his cigarette and then shrugged heavily i see they think you're me that was nice of you jim he sneered 
very decent indeed very kind and brotherly you'd better can the irony jim broke in briefly they'd have found us out both of us and i reckon you know what that would have meant hmm maybe i do maybe i don't he said shrewdly it was you who found me uh sick nobody else did we needn't speak of that we might as well i'd have come around all right if you hadn't butted in oh would you yes said harry sullenly jim horton carefully lighted a cigarette from the butt of the other and then said coolly we're not getting anywhere harry i think we are i'm trying to show you that you're in wrong on this thing from start to finish and it looks as though you might get just what was coming to you meaning what that you'll take my place again this exhibiting with a grin his worn garments you took mine without a by your leave now you'll give it back to me an ugly look came into jim horton's jaw i'm not so sure about that he said in a tone dangerously quiet what you mean that the bluster trailed off into silence at the warning fire in his brother's eyes but he raised his head in a moment laughing disagreeably i see the promotion has got into your head some promotion lieutenant right off the reel from corporal too living soft in the hospital and now he paused and swallowed uneasily how did you get to the rue de tavennes they came to the hospital mr quinlevin and your wife i-i fooled them they don't suspect how-how did you know moira was my wife some letters i read them oh i see you read them he frowned and then barry quinlevin's too yes his too i had to have facts i got them some i wasn't looking for about about the duc de vautrin jim broke in dryly that's one of the reasons why i'm still harry horton and why i'm going to stay harry horton for the present if jim had needed any assurance as to his brother's share in this intrigue he had it now for harry went red and then pale refusing to meet his gaze i see he muttered quinlevin's been talking yes said jim craftily he has it's a pretty plan but it won't come off you always were a rotter harry but you're not going to hurt moira if i can prevent it was a half-random shot but it hit the mark moira muttered harry sombrely i see you haven't been wasting any time i'm not wasting time when i can keep her or even you from getting mixed up in dirty blackmail that's my answer and that's why i'm not going to quit until i'm ready harry horton frowned at the soiled table cover his fingers twitching at his fork and then reached for the coffee-pot and quickly poured himself another cup clever jim he said with a cynical laugh i take off my hat to you i never would have thought you had it in you but you'll admit that living in my wife's apartment and impersonating her husband is going a bit too far the laughter didn't serve to conceal either his fear or his fury but it stopped short as jim's fingers suddenly closed over his wrist and held it in a grip of iron don't bring her into this he whispered tensely do you hear and after a moment of struggle with himself as he withdrew his hand 
you dared to think yourself worthy of her you be careful what you say to me said harry trying bravado she's my wife she won't be your wife long when i tell her what i know about you finished jim angrily he saw harry's face go pale again as he tried to meet his gaze saw the fire flicker out of him as he groped pitiably for jim's hand jim you wouldn't do that he muttered jim released his hand shrugged and leaned back in his chair not if you play straight with me and with her you want me to pay the penalty of what i did for you to go out into the world an outcast in your place perhaps i owe it to you i don't know but you owe me something too promotion the croix de guerre the croix de guerre me lieutenant harry g horton to be gazetted captain me put in jim with some pride not you a brief silence in which harry rubbed his scrawny beard with his long fingers that might be difficult to prove to my company captain he said at last you forget my wounds laughed jim oh they're my wounds all right and then with a shrug you see harry it won't work you're helpless if i chose to keep on the job you'd be left out in the cold you wouldn't dare i don't know what i dare it depends on you what do you mean broke in harry with some spirit i couldn't be any worse off than i am now even if i told the truth jim laughed i tried to tell the hospital and they thought i was bughouse try it if you like harry frowned and reached for another cigarette and then after a while well what do you want me to do his brother examined him steadily for a moment and then went on i don't know whether you've learned anything in the army or not but it ought to have taught you that you've got to live straight with your buddy or you can't get on straight sneered harry like you you call this straight what you're doing no jim admitted it's not straight it's crooked as hell but if it wasn't you'd have been drummed out of the service by now i don't want you to think i care about you i didn't out there it was only the honor of the service i was thinking about i'd do it again if i had to but i do care about this girl you've bamboozled into marrying you you and quinlevin and whatever the dirty arrangement between you that made it possible i want to make it clear to you here and now that she isn't going to be mixed up in any of your rotten deals she isn't your sort and you couldn't drag her down to your level if you tried i'll know more when quinlevin gets back and then jim horton paused as he realized that he had said too much for he saw his brother start and then stare at him ah barry quinlevin is away jim nodded yes he said in ireland harry had risen glowering and you think i'm going to slink off to-night to my kennel and let you go back to the studio you in my uniform as me to moira jim horton thought deeply for a moment and then rose and coolly straightened his military blouse very well he said we'll go back to her together he took out some money and carelessly walked toward the bar in the front room but harry followed quickly and caught him by the arm jim he muttered you wouldn't do that 
we'll tell her the truth i guess you're right she ought to know wait a minute his hand was trembling on the officer's sleeve and the dark beard seemed to make the face look ghastly under its tan not yet jim not to-night we we'll have to let things be for a while just sit down again for a minute we've got to find a way to straighten this thing out to get you back into your old job how dryly i i don't know just now but we can work it somehow it's too late you could have been captured by the bush we can find a way when you let me have my uniform jim horton grinned unsympathetically there are two wounds in that too harry he said where are yours and he moved toward the door listen jim we'll let things be as they are for the present barry quinlevin mustn't know you've got to play the part i see come and sit down a minute his brother obeyed mechanically well he said i'll do what you say until until we can think of something he tried to smile and failed i know it's a good deal to ask you to take my place to go out into the world and be what i am but you won't have to do it you won't have to we'll manage something some way you go back to the studio he paused uncertainly you're not he paused jim horton read his meaning making love to your wife and if i was it would only be what you deserve she doesn't love you any too much as it is harry frowned at the floor and was silent but his brother's answer satisfied him all right you go back but i've got to get some money i can't starve i don't want you to jim fumbled in his pockets and brought out some bills here take these they're yours anyway we'll arrange for more later i've an account at a bank here and so have i but i don't dare very good what's your bank arches and c all right i'll get some checks to-morrow and you can make one payable to yourself i'll cash it and give you the money and i'll make one out at my bank for the same amount dated back into october before the boissiere fight payable to bearer you can get it cashed yes who a woman i know jim shrugged all right but be careful i'll meet you here to-morrow night and don't shave harry nodded and put the bills into his pocket while jim rose again you play the game straight with me he said and i'll put this thing right even if he paused suddenly in the doorway his sentence unfinished for just in front of him stood a very handsome girl who had abandoned her companion and stood both hands outstretched in greeting Ari Ordon, she was saying joyously in broken english you don't seem to know me it is i piquette the name quinlevin had spoke in the hospital jim glanced over his shoulder into the shadow where harry had been but his brother had disappeared End of chapter four